Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Pastor, author, and scholar Leonard Sweet once said this, what is the difference between a living thing and a dead thing? In the medical world, a clinical definition of death is a body that does not change. Change is life. Stagnation is death. Change is life. Stagnation is death. If you don't change, you die. It's that simple. It's that scary. Now, knowing Sweet's work the way that I do, I know that he's simply not just referring to things in general, but to spiritual beings specifically. And further to his point, there are many things or people within the church that never change. Thus, all of the dying churches we see around North America, specifically in the United States, this is a very, very dangerous thing. So today, virtually, we are in part three of our 2022 vision series, Good Ground 22. We have completed our breaking ground, 21 days of intentional fasting, prayer, and scripture reading. We had an absolutely amazing worship night that evening, uh, last Sunday night. And if you missed that, you really missed something. God just moved in mighty ways, and that makes it even more difficult to not be together today. So this good ground theme we've already talked about will carry us through 2022 as we lay the foundation for disciple multiplication. We're uh, framing this through Jesus's parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. And just to give you a quick recap, in week one, we discussed soil one, which we call the cynic. We'll talk about the cynic just a little bit more in a minute. Last week, we discussed soil two, which we called the prisoner. And today we're going to discuss soil number three, the last of what we would call the bad or pro uh, problematic soils. And that is what we're going to call the traditionalist. And there are a lot of those in the church. So we're going to go to Mark chapter four again, verses one through 20. And we're going to look at the story, this amazing parable that Jesus gives us in three of the Gospels. We're looking at Mark's account, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Jesus began to teach beside the lake again. Such a large crowd gathered that he climbed into a boat there on the lake. He sat in the boat while the whole crowd was nearby on the shore. 
He said many things to them in parables. While teaching them, he said, listen to this. A farmer went out to scatter seeds. As he was scattering seeds, some fell on the path and the birds came up and ate it. This is what we refer to as soil number one. Other seed fell on rocky ground. This is what we talked about last week, where the soil was shallow, uh, soil number two. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it scorched the plants and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants and they produced nothing. I should say thorny plants and the thorny plants grew and choked the seeds and they produced nothing. This is soil number three that we'll talk about today. And then for next week, other seed fell on good soil or what we're calling good ground and bore fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced, in one case, a yield of 30 to 1. This is what multiplication looks like. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 100 to 1. He said, whoever has ears should listen and pay attention. When they were alone, the people around Jesus, along with the 12, asked him about this parable and about these parables. And he said to them, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you, but those outside everything comes in parables. This is so that they can look and see, but they have no insight, and they can hear, but they do not understand. Otherwise, they might turn their lives around and be forgiven. Don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand all of the parables? The farmer scatters the seed. This is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path. When the word is scattered and the people hear it right away, Satan comes and steals the word that was planted in them. Here's the meaning of the seed that fell on rocky ground. Again, last week, when people hear the word, they immediately receive it joyfully, but because they have no roots, they last only for a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like the seeds scattered among the thorny plants that we'll talk about today. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of this life, the false appeals of wealth, and the desire for more things break in and choke the word, and it bears no fruit. The seeds scattered on good soil, or again, good ground, are those who hear the word and embrace it. They bear fruit. In one case, a yield of 30 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 100 to 1. So I do want to highlight and place special emphasis on verse 7 and then on verses 18 and 19 to look at this particular condition of the soil. Verse 7 says this, Other seed fell among thorny plants, the thorny plants grew and choked the seeds and they produced nothing. So again, this is some more bad soil. Others are like the seeds scattered among the thorny plants down in verses 18 and 19. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of this life, the false appeals of wealth and the desire for more things break in and choke the word and it bears no fruit. 
Make sure that you catch that last part. It bears no fruit. This is a very common form of soil within the church. In fact, it is some people in culture, but it's probably the majority of people that are in church. So you may ask, as you have with the other two forms of soil, who is the traditionalist? What does the traditionalist look like? And is it possible, especially since you said this is probably the majority of people within a church, is it possible that I would fall into the category of the traditionalist? So the traditionalist is a person that not only feels safe, but also believes it's possible to keep their feet in two separate worlds. This may be the world of faith and faith practice, and this would be the world outside of the kingdom. There are a lot of people in church that believe that they can have it both ways. They can live a spiritual life or they can follow Jesus, but they can also have the best of everything else. So they are pulled toward the traditional components of our faith in practice, but ultimately they still hold a strong allegiance to the world that is outside of the kingdom. Please hear this and please understand this. You can't be a citizen of the world and a citizen of heaven or a citizen of the kingdom at the same time. So whenever I use this word traditional, please don't uh, confuse traditional with traditional components of the church. Like when you think about hymns or pews or a specific way of preaching or making sure that you're wearing, you know, Sunday's best for church, the traditionalist might wear skinny jeans, might love contemporary worship music, might have pink hair. You can't stereotype what the traditionalist actually looks like. So let's consider what we mean by traditionalist. This means that we are wearing the label Christian in the same way that we wear other labels. So if people ask you what faith or what belief system or what religion or lack thereof do you identify with? And you may say, well, I grew up in church, even though I don't go much anymore, I'm a Christian. Or you might say, I go to church every single Sunday, I'm very committed to going to church, so I'm a Christian. You may never go to church, and you may have issues with organized religion, but you definitely see yourself as a Christian. It's a label the same way as labels like Democrat or Republican. UT fan, foodie, gamer, uh, perfectionist, all of these different kinds of labels that we can actually wear. So there is a label followed by traditional patterns that move the mind, but don't move the soul. I'm going to say that again. There is a label that you have along with other statuses or labels followed by traditional patterns that cognitively move the way you do a lot of the things in your life, maybe even your calendar. It may even move your finances, 
but it doesn't actually move the soul. The traditionalist is very comfortable with the customs and the norms of the group in question, but never break through to the heart of the movement. Again, the traditionalist, and this is a lot of people in the church, are very comfortable with the customs and the norms of the group in question. In this case, we're talking about church people, or you could even use the label Christians. They're very comfortable in that environment, but they never actually move to the heart of the movement. Our passage tells us that the seed is choked by the strangulation of the soil. And please hear me, this is so important. This is really important for a lot of you that are watching or listening today. Interestingly, the Germans will come to associate the word choked with anxiety, confusion, worry, or more literally, mental strangulation. Think about that concept, mental strangulation, indecisiveness, confusion, reluctancy. It means, and how many of you feel this way? Harassed by anxiety, literally harassed by anxiety. So in this anxious state of discontentment, we then go to what Jesus calls and tells the people and his disciples, the false appeals of wealth and the desire for more things. So here's the question. Where do you go when you feel worry? Or where do you go when you feel this form of mental strangulation? Because this choked feeling is a very real thing. Where do you go in these moments? Some of you go to your Amazon cart. Others of you go to Netflix. Others of you go to Instagram. Others of you go to, to whatever show it is that you binge over and over and over to keep you from thinking about the real things. Uh, Snapchat, the next vacation, the next big purchase. These are the places we go when we feel this. So here is the traditionalist in a nutshell. Again, you may still be asking questions. Here is the traditionalist in a nutshell. Rooted in a system, okay, definitely rooted in a system, belonging to a group, yet unfulfilled because of the lack of full experience. There are people that have been in churches for many years and people that are really rooted in religious expression. And when they talk about some of the people in the church, they talk about really important bonds and really important relationships and really important activities that they do with these people on a regular basis. But you wanna know something? There is still this level 
of angst. There is still this level of yearning because the fulfillment simply is not there. So we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the cynic lacks readiness. All right, so the cynic is really full of doubt. The cynic is really struggling with this faith walk. Sometimes it seems like a good idea, but there are all these questions about the Bible. There are all these questions about Jesus. There are all these questions about, is he really gonna provide? Could he really take care of me? Maybe this is one way, but it's not, it's not the only way. Maybe there are some issues with the Bible. Maybe I have some issues with church as an organization. They're not ready. They've fallen along the path and they're not ready. We mentioned that the prisoner isn't rooted. But the problem for the traditionalist is resilience. The problem for the traditionalist is resilience. Essentially, if a person lacks spiritual resilience, and the majority of the people that I'm around do lack spiritual resilience, if things get hard, if the moment is too difficult, there is something within them that during this mental strangulation that keeps them from going deeper. So essentially, if a person lacks this spiritual resilience, they lack maturity. It's kind of like they're in the game, but they're not playing. Going back to verses 18 and 19, this is what we see. Others are like the seeds scattered among the thorny plants. These are the ones who have heard the word. They've definitely heard it, especially if you're in church every single Sunday or most of the time. But the worries of this life, the false appeals of wealth, all of the distraction that is out there and the desire for more things break in and choke, create this mental strangulation, this intense fullness of anxiety. And it bears no fruit. Again, there's a way to test this. Pay attention to where a person turns in both tragedy and triumph. Pay attention to where you turn in both tragedy and triumph. Here's the thing. This should always be the same place. It should always be the same place. But unfortunately, it's not. Because the traditionalist usually turns to God in tragedy. God, I need you. I'm going through all these problems. I don't know how to put things back together. But in triumph, even though the church is often still a very active part of their lives, they're all about self-gratification or the false appeal of wealth in these moments causing further mental strangulation. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 24, 13, the one who endures to the end will be delivered, or the one who endures to the end will be saved. Going back again to Leonard Sweet's quote from the beginning, something dead doesn't change. Something dead cannot change. Are you changing in your spiritual journey? Again, this is another litmus test. If you are the traditionalist, questions to ask yourself. Number one, are you 
regularly being transformed? Are you regularly being transformed? I'm not asking you about an event, about a prayer that you prayed in, in, in such and such church back a few years ago, and you felt that there was a change in your life at that time. I'm asking you, are you regularly being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you seeing a progression in your life of faith? You see, the traditionalist doesn't. They can be in, in church for many, many years. They can follow some spiritual path or journey or believe they are for many years. But there is no metamorphi. There is no transformation that is actually going on within them. Is repentance a regular part of your life? Do you find yourself in a position in which you recognize that there is sin there, that there is a relationship that's not right in your life? And I don't care if the relationship's 30 years old. You have got to make that relationship right. It's something that you're called to do. How long have you been struggling with that same sin? If you find yourself in a position in which pornography has been part of your life for, for 15 years and there's been no change, or you have that relationship that you've made the decision that you're gonna continue to stay bitter, you're gonna continue to stay angry, that's not repentance. That's not the transformation that happens when the seed falls upon good ground. How long have you been struggling with areas of your life that you just choose not to address? These are all signs of soil number three. These are all signs of what we see in the traditionalists. So I wanna give you a quick recap. Since this is the last time that we're gonna be viewing uh, these, these first three seeds, and then we're gonna talk about good ground next week, which I'm really, really excited about doing. So a really quick recap with soils one through three. Okay, so the first one we said, soil one, the cynic. One more time, this seed is thrown along the path, constantly asking questions, struggling to find a footing in their faith. They wanna turn things over, but there's this argument that they hear from someone about, how God couldn't possibly be real or how God couldn't possibly have, have done these miracles, how the Bible is, is really actually evil. All these kinds of things continue to come into the cynic's mind among all kinds of other questions and in a lot of times are very, very good questions. We said that the cynic remains in a position in which he is not ready. Soil number two, last week, the prisoner, this seed falls among the rocks and the soil is shallow, always chasing emotions in the way they feel. Today, the church seems like an amazing place. I just saw people uh, with their hands up worshiping. I heard about this happening in this person's life. I see these good things happening. God has given me this new relationship. God has given me this new job. Everything is good. But then all of a sudden, when things get hard or when they get really hard, like when the bottom falls out, this person disappears. And the reason this happens is because we said that the prisoner is not rooted. The cynic is not ready. The prisoner is not rooted because the soil is shallow. 
And then soil number three that we've talked about today, the traditionalist, the seed is choked. There's this indifference, this anxiety, this mental anguish choked by the cares of this world. Often wears the label Christian, but it's just a label. Camouflaged in the church. Looks like everyone else. If you have a conversation with this person, it's going to sound a lot like the conversation that you would have someone that would be considered soil number four, which is the good ground. So here's a question that you guys have probably considered. You've probably thought about at least once, if not multiple times. Can soil one through three, the cynic, the traditionalist, the prisoner, can soil one through three be saved or part of the elect or go to heaven, right? Is, is that possible? Because you feel like you may be the prisoner or, or you may be the cynic or you could be the traditionalist that, we, that we've talked about today. Is it possible for this person to inherit eternal life, uh, to be part of the kingdom and, and go to heaven? The, the quickest answer to that and the most honest answer to that that I can give you is that I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you, if you were to die in that condition, my answer would be no. But I know that there have been times that I have identified with the cynic. There have been times that I've identified with the traditionalists that we've talked about today, but I've, I've recalled when God has pulled me back to that good ground in which I've been able to, to bear fruit. So I'm excited about next week because we do get to talk about seed number four, which we actually call the multiplying disciple and see what good ground actually looks like because we desire and we are praying for consistently this to be the future of our church. So you may feel that you fall in to one of these first three seeds that we've talked about the last few weeks. You're the traditionalist because you know that you've been in church and you're deeply loyal and you're a really, really good rule follower, but you've never had that full experience. Or you're the cynic and maybe you're rarely, if, if, if ever at all, in church. And you've got all these questions in your mind and all these doubts. And as you see yourself taking a step forward into the spiritual life, you then recognize yourself take, you know, two steps back because it all seems too crazy and unbelievable. Or you may see yourself as the prisoner. And in this situation, you're close and you're really hot when things are good. But then all of a sudden you start that new relationship or that new job and then you're cold and you disappear and all of a sudden you're nowhere to be found. Where's so-and-so? Uh, what happened to her? What happened to him? They were really growing in the church. Something else came up and it was really, really appealing. And because your roots didn't go deep and the, and the soil was shallow, there were problems. So I want to remind you as we close today, um, again, what Jesus called us to, uh, toward as we were breaking ground. And this is coming from Luke chapter 13, verses six through nine. 
a man has a fig tree planted in his vineyard. One day he comes out looking for fruit on it, but there are no figs. He says to the vineyard keeper, which we've called Jesus, this role is Jesus, look at this tree. For three years, I've come hoping to find some fresh figs, but what do I find? Nothing over and over again. So just go ahead and cut it down. Why waste the space with a fruitless tree? And I believe at Believer's Church, we've had a lot of fruitless trees over time. But the vineyard keeper, Jesus replies, give it another chance, sir. And it's my hope and it's my desire that you hear that today. Because as we've already noted, that is the voice of mercy. That is the voice of grace. In the middle of your marital struggles, in the middle of your distrust, in the middle of you knowing that God is trying to pull you closer, but you're holding on for dear life to the things that continue to destroy you more every single day. Sir, give it another chance. Give me one more year working with it. I'll cultivate the soil. I'll heap on some manure to fertilize it. I'll give it this good ground that is so necessary to bear fruit. If it surprises us and bears fruit next year, which I believe so many of you are going to do, that will be great. But if not, we'll cut it down. This is the year for you to break free. This is the time for you to bear fruit. Father, we come to you this morning lifting you up because of who you are. Knowing God that there are definitely people within our church and people that are watching today and that will listen later that definitely fall into the category of one of those first three seeds. And my prayer, Father, for them is that you will birth something within them that will last, understanding that their gifts matter, that their abilities and what you have gifted them with mean so much to the kingdom of God. Father, we continue to lift up the sick and the weary that are struggling within our church and also beyond. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.